Welcome back to another episode of People of Product. If you've been following along for the last several episodes, we restarted the podcast with a series, what we're referring to, I mean, it's really original. It's, it's back to the basics, mm. which really isn't that original. But our point in doing that was because we've done hundreds of episodes talking to influencers and authors and practitioners and leaders. Uh, we've put on events where we've talked to lots of people and the, and the recurring theme we kept hearing was it just doesn't feel like we're doing the basics well. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're shooting for these big dreams. We're going after these big ideas. Um, we've got lots of people working on lots of things, some small teams, some massive teams, but it's just the day-to-day -day stuff that we just don't feel like we're executing really well on really well. So what we've been doing is really going from a 10,000, 30,000 foot view of you know, getting a line on an init, a product initiative all the way down through thinking about road mapping, through um, really writing your user stories, doing some research, getting your team aligned, all those things that lead to really figuring out how we're going to get this work done. Mm. So today we're going to jump into kind of a nerdy, yeah, it's nerdy. I think it's kind of nerdy. Okay. I okay. remember trying to explain this topic to my wife and to my mom. Mm-hmm. And they were both like, I don't, I don't know why you would do that. Mm. Like why, why the Fibonacci sequence? It sounds cool. It sounds cool. Doesn't it? <laughs> but today we're going to jump in to story points and velocity <sighs> movement. Let's get into it. Hey Dan, I've got a question for you. <sighs> Hit me with it. How, maybe how good are you or how do you estimate anything you do in life? <laughs> I know it's, it's out there, but you, you, you'll get so where I'm going. I'm here. kind of a big deal. I kind of know what I'm doing. Okay. So like a, like a trip or. Yeah. It could be a trip. It could be a house project. It could Ooh. be. Okay. Um, but you, you know, you're going to do it. Maybe you even set ah, out all the yes. things, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, I, well, I know you told me you're working on your house recently. Mm. You're removing, removing some rooms around. Yeah. Some making some plans of some, some spaces you might want to change. Yep. How long do you know that it's going to take? How, how do you guesstimate or mm. how do you estimate how that, how long that's going to take to get that done? Okay. So yeah, in that example, so we are rearranging a lot of the, our kids' bedrooms, my office, moving it to a different level of the house. And so, yeah, so as I was thinking, because my kids asked me the same thing because they were helping. They're like, how long is this going to take, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I know that. Well, I've heard that. Uh, and my first answer was as long as I say yeah, until we get it you done. you your phone back. <laughs> you're going to do it. <laughs> right. But I think I, I was counting pieces of furniture. Oh, okay. So I was thinking, okay, so that furniture is downstairs. That one has to go up. These several have to go downstairs. This one has to go to the basement. So I think I just started like mm. adding like. Did uh, you make a spreadsheet? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I didn't. But I'm just like, uh, by the time. Yeah, it was more about like experience of like, okay, I moved all this stuff upstairs. Yeah. Now I got to move it downstairs. So I'm just thinking a day. Yeah. Kind of just went in a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you gave a couple things there. One, you gave yourself a chunk of time mm -hmm. to you've done this before. You've yeah. moved things around before. You yep. guys have done a lot of work in your house. Yep. This isn't your first change something in right. home effort. And we had more people this time because we, the kids are a little bit older. So I enlisted their help. So I'm you like, made okay. your own people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I made I, people and then I had them do things. That's right. And so I'm thinking like, okay, since they'll be carrying some stuff down, maybe it'll shrink the time. So yeah, uh, experience, um, resourcing that I had available to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all sorts of different data points. Well, that, that's kind of what I want to I want to unpack today because I think this is probably one of the areas that most teams that I talk to, in, including ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the most difficult things to do. Oh, sure. We've already talked about the difficulty of getting teams aligned. We've talked about the difficulty of, um, you know, figuring out which initiative to do. Those are all hard things. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, the rubber hits the road of like, okay, we're saying we're going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, by the way, where do we start? What are we prioritizing? How are we going to work together? Right. And how long is, how much can we do in a right. given period of time Yeah. as a team? Especially the more custom or yeah. intricate something is. Yeah. You know, if you go to the me- uh, you know, mechanic and you know, oil change, tire rotation, yep. they, they're really good at estimating that amount of time. Yeah. Over and over. Then you go, you know, if you go into something more like you know, a head gasket or you go and uh, you've had work done, done on your house and it's like more custom, mm-hmm. it's not just you know, maybe putting a new toilet, it's like building a whole new addition or whatever. Just take that estimate times three. I mean, I even know that those, you know, those contractors, those workers, when they estimate, it's not easy for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So let's take this down into software because Mm -hmm. one of the goals of agile while helping teams to be flexible, helping Mm -hmm. them to iterate, helping them to do all these things that kind of agile aims towards, it really wants to create a framework or a system that helps you to better understand how much your team can do Mm -hmm. at a given time. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things in, in agile development. So we've been talking about product management, product leadership, kind of product in general, but there's no way we can get away from agile being the kind of core principle for how most of this work is done today. Right. Um, so agile, agile, I'm going to kind of read a little bit of a description of how some folks have kind of coined agile development. Um, it's obviously a software development approach that emphasizes flexibility, rapid iteration. It's based on this thing called the agile manifesto, mm-hmm. which that just sounds kind of, I mean, it just sounds like you've got to like sign in blood before you enter. Yeah. There's a seance, yep. before, not seance. Maybe what's it called? With Initiation. Me? Yeah. That's a little less creepy. <laughs> a, um, so the agile manifesto, it's a set of uh, values and principles that guide the development process. But in that process works gets organized, which we talked about several times into short iterative cycles called sprints. Um, at the beginning of each sprint, the team identifies the work that needs to be completed and the work um, then works c- collaboratively to complete that work within the sprint time box. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're pulling in a few language pieces here. One is a sprint, which we'll talk about here in a second. We, we mentioned, we've mentioned as we've been talking throughout the, the series, but what a sprint is of work. And then, um, and then really what we're trying to figure out is how do we make sure that we're building something functional each mm-hmm. sprint? And then how do we know how much of that thing we can build? Right. Sprint. So in the last episode, we talked about um, user stories, epics, epics. and user stories. Yep. So now you take those user stories and you have to give them an estimate or value. But agile is a way yeah. of often. Because again, a client or uh, internal, external is going to ask, well, how long is that going to take? I always ask that. Yeah. And from an agile and lean standpoint, we still know the best way to build software is in those, those small iterations, those chunks, yep. time boxing it, focusing on, you know, whatever those priorities are. But because we focus on those short time frames and not necessarily saying, oh, this will, we're going to do this one thing, like a fixed scope of work and it'll be six months and we have really have no idea. 
because again, we want to do small iterations, get feedback from customer centric, yep. get feedback from them and come back. Um, so the best way to understand if something's going to get done is to start um, using what agile calls points. Right. So I want to pause for just a second. Yep. Because um, I know for a bunch of people already are kind of those that are familiar with agile or those that have been on the internet or in the development process for the last, I don't know, 30 years. Mm -hmm. This is a boring topic. Right. Agile has been beaten. What's it, what do they call when someone gets, something gets drugged through the mud, drugged through the mud, or it's been beat with uh, Overused? something about a horse, Yeah, beating a dead horse, beating, which sounds terrible, by the way, that's right. just a terrible thing to say. That's you right. shouldn't say it. Yeah. I mean, when it's dead, you leave it alone. Talking about that. <laughs> just like poor horse. I don't know what happened. That's right. But the point is, is that like you've taken it too far, right? Like where we just move on, at least find the next thing. What I want this conversation to be about today is not that agile is the way. And you kind of, you, you've heard us using agile terms all the way through this back to the basics. It's not that agile is the way, but the principles that come out of agile lean design thinking are really helpful and effective mm -hmm. for teams to make sure they're headed in the right direction and to pace in the right way. Right. So they can actually accomplish something. Cause otherwise, I don't know, in my opinion, people freeze up cause it's too big, too hard mm -hmm. or they don't ever finish. Right. Right. Cause they're just kind of tinkering with it forever. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to name that. You just wanted to put it right there. Yeah, just, we get it. Yep. Don't glaze over quite yet. Yep. We're going to hopefully give you a little reminder about the value of these things. Back to the points. Oh, I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so why story points? Um, okay. So basically, I'm story sorry. That was just so It bad. was so corny. Uh, I know. Yeah. I, but you know, I am a dad, so. Expect it. Yeah, it's fine. We're not trying to impress anybody. We, no, we, we're way I've got no one to age. impress. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the points themselves. What are kind of the point? What's the point of points? Mm. Um, that was my. I got to do it there. There you okay. go. We'll, yeah. we'll stop. Got to have one. Um, a couple things that I want to touch on and just kind of talk through is I think a couple things to think about that the value of points comes around again what we've talk, been talking about, which is how do we plan together. Um, how do we get the team planning together? How do we prioritize what needs to be done first? Mm -hmm. And then how do we track progress and predict how long it will take to complete something? Mm. Now, this might be the project as a whole, which we can talk about burn downs here in a second, but also just what's it going to take to get to the other side of the sprint? Right. You know, can we even do what we just talked about? Right. Um, and so a lot of this is about trying to figure out really how to predict the future. Because, I mean, that's what we all want at the end of the day, right? I mean, everyone wants a crystal ball. I mean, if I knew that I can invest a million dollars here Ooh. and make 40. Hey, did you buy NFTs <laughs> last year? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, maybe that's, that's maybe an that episode right. for another that time. Crystal ball. Um, but yeah, we want some level of, of a guarantee um, yeah. uh, within software development. Yeah, a guarantee is a, it's so funny We how often people want us and even we do it to ourselves. Like we will hold each other accountable and say like, commit to that. Mm -hmm. Just we're going to get it done by then. Right. And it's like, right. yeah, I mean, you could get anything done by uh, with enough time and money. Right. Right. But the guarantee is the, the scary part of it. And so, um, knowing the exact date that it'll go live without bugs and a hundred percent user adoption. That's, that's tough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so you get the dilemma. This is the challenge: is that mm. estimating anything? I think people call it sometimes guesstimating, right? We're, yes. we're, we're we don't know. No, 
you don't know exactly how long it's going to take you to move all that furniture around nope. that room, house set up. I way underestimated, by the way. <laughs> Still not done. <laughs> I know. See? Um, and we've, we've gone into projects where we've either overestimated or underestimated. Right. I think on typical nature, I used to tell people, and this is not a judgment of outsourcing in general, but people will come to me and say, well, hey, I'm getting this estimate from an outsourced team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now let's let's put this back five, 10 years ago when this was kind of an up and coming market, right? And one of the things I said, I said, that is awesome. You can save a lot of money by going that direction. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want you to do is whatever their estimate is, because oftentimes they would give a fixed scope estimate. Right. I said, I want you to take that estimate. I want you to times it by three, mm-hmm. because what they're gonna do is they're not gonna finish by that estimate. Right. And, and they're gonna have to exp- expand or extend that timeline mm-hmm. and ask for more money, extend that timeline. So just times it by three. Right. Both in duration mm-hmm. and, and, cost. and cost. Yep, and and that wasn't a diss necessarily on those developers because it's normal. Mm-hmm. But what's unfortunate is people are giving a guarantee of this time when in reality it's it's a guess, and right. they're almost always wrong, especially with yep. custom software. Well, and that's why in contracts, and again, it's not that it's this is a wrong way to do it. It just it it can be so time consuming, administratively burden is. If you do some level of a fixed scope or whatnot, and you get to that end, you've given the guarantee, but you've also built in the contract of change order requests. Yep. Oh man, managing change and orders. And so, I mean, you can get to the point to where dozens of change order requests, and yep. like you said, a six month project is now 18 months, Yeah. but you've gone through multiple change orders. And again, to be fair to the company building it, that's what's needed to build what's been asked. Yep. But also on the client side, it's like, I really wanted to know what I was gonna get by yep. this day. Yep. We, we've tried to strike a balance in that. And, it, <clears throat> and in that, we try to say, hey, here's our goals. We know these yeah. milestones. What's driving us towards a certain date? And we talked about that in previous episodes with milestone or with um, uh, story mapping. Yeah. No. Road mapping. Road mapping. Thank yep. you. Um, and we've tried to strike that balance by saying we have goals, but we're willing to compromise. We're willing mm-hmm. to negotiate what's included in that. So that if w- what's most important is the milestone, the time frame most important is yeah. it the feature definition that's most important is the right. quality of all that most important. Right. And all those things have to be in play when you're trying to figure out how fast and how much you can do. And that's a good reminder, George, of where we were. So roadmap. And yep. then we went to stories and epics, which is kind of like, that's what we've got to be able to do yep. to get to that end goal. Yep. And now we're talking about like, okay, well, what's our reasonable like uh, end date or how fast are we going to get there? Which leads to story points. Right. So let's go ahead and get into that a little bit more, the specifics. If you don't use story points right now, you're probably doing something where you're asking your team to give you a time frame. Yeah. So how many hours is that? How many take? hours is going to take? Right. Uh, can you have it by this date? And what they'll end up doing is saying yes, because they want to keep their jobs mm-hmm. or they may have tenure or uh, clout or whatever. And they say no. And then they'll just basically balloon everything into something that's nearly impossible to do. Right. It's, we find it that it's usually on those ends of the spectrum. It's like, yes, I'm capable of doing anything for you. And maybe they are or not. Or no, I can't do anything in a reasonable time frame, And so you shouldn't expect that of me. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's setting expectations. Right. But generally speaking, um, when you bring people together around a, um, a story point activity, you're trying to create what is sometimes referred to as a relative estimation. Hmm. Getting ready for this podcast, I heard that term and I don't think we've ever used it. (laughs) It makes sense though. It does. It actually was really helpful. I think I wish we would have used it in the past. Um, 
I think that the idea here is that it involves comparing the size of one thing mm-hmm. to the size of something else. Relative. Relative, right. Yeah. And you, what that allows you to do then is, is as you're moving forward, new tasks, new stories, new epics are gonna be brought to the top, they're gonna surface up to the top of your backlog, which is just a long list of things to do. Yep. And you have to then compare that to things that you've already done and go, well, something like this took me roughly that long. Right. And so you start doing this comparative analysis and the first sprint that you do it, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Right. Right. You're just, you're off. You're going to be wrong. The second sprint that you do it, you're still wrong, but you're more informed. Yep. The third sprint you do it, you're now starting to see a trend of how much you can actually accomplish right. in a period of time. Right. So, um, I think that's a good way to kind of frame it up is that it's this based on this comparison idea. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're, you're, you're framing the beginning part of like, okay, if we want to know exactly how long something might take, let's create some guardrails yeah. here. So you might start with, uh, if we need to have a spectrum. Uh-huh. Okay. So really you've got easy and you've yeah. got hard. Yep. So you might start with a, a BHAG or a big, hairy, audacious goal. Like what is most likely on this list of features or stories or whatnot? Yeah. What's the hardest thing? And then everyone on the team takes a look and is like, and then you vote on, and for the most part, there's probably going to be some pretty overwhelming consensus yeah. on an experienced team we of like, no idea how to do that. This one right here, extremely, that, that's going to be extremely difficult for these reasons. And then everyone goes around and votes on it. Okay. So now you've got basically this half of the goalpost. Yep. And then you establish the other one, something that's probably like, okay, that's the easiest thing on yeah, here. Yeah. I'm going to sneeze and that will work. <laughs> That's right. I'll blink twice and I've made it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other half of the goalpost. So yeah. now you've got your frame of reference, your wiggle room, your guardrails, whatever that you want to call it. Yep. And then in between that, now things start getting funneled through that frame of reference, that goalpost. Well, how does it compare to these two? Well, it's pretty close to the BHAG yeah. or it's in the middle or yeah. it's the other. And so then you can start creating some level of frame of reference for all other stories. And I think that that's, really helpful because that, um, that gives us that, that kind of, um, what to compare to right now. Uh, I think we talked about it in the stories and or in the, um, yeah, stories and epics episode. There is kind of this third element. Again, it wasn't used a lot when I was doing this early on, but I yeah. know that our teams are using it now, which is called a spike. Right. And a spike is a, is a, a recognition that there is something put in front of us mm-hmm. that maybe is either too big or too nebulous and we shouldn't even give it a big score. It right. should be like, uh, I don't know score. Right. And so that was something we honestly didn't have, mm-hmm. um, back when we were doing this. Now I think spikes have actually been a long, around for a long time. We just didn't know how to use it. Right. Um, and I think that's a really great tool because if you have something that's just so big that it's not even measurable, right. Then you're not giving it an accurate estimate. You're just saying, I don't know. Right. Um, so that's when you kind of need to break it down. What are what are some so what are some examples of how people can measure within those guideposts though? Let's say you do have oh, your, sure. your top end and your lower end. What are some ways that they can yeah. measure that? So then that's when you have to start using some level of a framework to describe or to give a name to it. Yeah. Basically, it's labeling. Yeah. And so if you have really hard and really easy, that's great. But what do you what do you use as so that everyone knows as far as like the label? So. Yeah. Um, 
some firms, um, I think we have even in the past, use what are called T-shirt sizes. Yep. So, you know, you have extra small, small, medium, large, XL. That determines like, okay, this one is extra small, which means it's probably compared to that easiest one. Yeah. Or double XL is compared to the hard one. And then yeah. you can kind of go in there. And then as you start going through each sprint, it's just like, okay, now we truly start to get an idea of like what's really medium, yep. what's really large or whatnot. Yep. You can also use what um, a point system. So uh, we use 135-8-13-21, which happens to be, as you mentioned earlier, the Fibonacci the sequence, Fibonacci. which is just a fun thing to the say. The golden ratio. That's right. And so one would be, again, the very easy one, the blink twice and it's done. Yep. The 21, that's your big, hairy, audacious goal. To be goal. fair, it's not always a blink once. Yes. It's yes, just whatever yes, would absolutely, be the easiest absolutely. thing in your scale of reference. Right. Yeah. Um, whatever you use, it really doesn't matter. I mean, whatever label you want, you could even yeah. create your own if you wanted to, to do that within your own work culture. What matters is that you're able to guess at the lev level of effort yeah. and then you start working. Yeah. So, um, and then after a sprint or a small duration, uh, we use two weeks. You can two, three, four. You measure how many points were accomplished as a team. Yeah. Why, why not? just how much time it's going to take you as an individual to do that thing. Why, why the team? Well, one, um, you're building it as a team. Yeah. And even though, so say I, I'm the lead on a particular story, I may be doing 85% of the work, yeah. uh, the, the other 15% distributed around, but you want, as, uh, uh, what do we say earlier? Um, as we were planning, you know, like how much furniture to move, that's data and experience. Right. And so there's data experience around the whole table. Right. of a product team. And right. so I may say, again, this is a 21 and someone else may raise their hand. It's like, mm, I don't think so. I think you can get that done. I think well, we can get that done faster. Your teenage son can, you know, can lift a lot more as a football player now versus, versus my other, my younger son, young, your, your youngest daughter, who's right. what, nine, right. Or maybe younger than that. Yeah. Eight. Mm, yeah. 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 It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, she's not gonna be lifting that chair to go upstairs. So like, you can't expect the same. Right. So her perspective on this desk is much different than mine or my right. other son if or anything. Whatnot. She might slow things down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so you want to do it as a team to get, again, it's a team sport. Um, you're collaborating on it. And again, other people's insight might cause you to say, okay, you're right. Let's lower that point value or that t-shirt size. And we've said this many times on the previous episodes, and this is actually an area that I think a lot of companies get wrong is we really, really, really believe in the agile mindset of cross-functional or cross-discipline teams. Right. And so when you're talking about a cross-functional or cross-discipline team, all contributing to what they think their estimate might be here as a team you're going to get a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful because I think a lot of times you'll just go, well, the smartest dev said it's that. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but other people are gonna be involved in shaping what that is or what it should be, right. or we'll have to carry out different parts of it. And I think that's a lot of organizations get that wrong. They just err on, mm -hmm. well, my senior developer said it would take that long. Right. So we're basing all of our estimates, all of our level of effort on that person's perspective. Right. But that doesn't represent how the team as a whole is going to work together. And that's a key point that we can't lose sight of is <laughs> that, you know, confidence and trust. As you continue, as a team continues to work through sprints yep. and they get more and more accurate as to what um, a story might take as far as far as level of effort if they're doing that together it gives that team more confidence at, after each yeah. sprint planning meeting and it also means that they're trusting one another really well yeah because in, again in that first sprint or two someone might have a more dominant voice because they're doing the work but as they're leaning on their teammates 
and they come to that conclusion together and they get more and more accurate, it just builds more confidence and trust as they're working on the on the software. Yeah, and we've already mentioned a lot of a lot of organizations default to hours. Yeah. Uh, it's not accurate. <laughs> it's always wrong. <laughs> it's always wrong. It's it's not accurate. I wish yeah, it was like right. you said, yeah, it, it is it it is wrong most of the time. There's still a guess, but um, as the example you mentioned earlier, they're usually padded. Um, mm-hmm. And here's the thing: if you work on something from a thing of points and you're not focused on hours, you may crack uh, crank out a lot of things. And you know, really, the most accurate probably be more like minutes. But yeah. if you ask someone to give me hours, they're not going to give you minutes. Yeah, they're not give gonna me that say, in, in seconds. Right? They're not going to say one point, you know, six two hours. They're right. going to pad it, and maybe you know, as you said, double, triple it. And so, points. What it forces you to do is to think more in level of effort. Like how yes. how hard, how yes. difficult, how yes. complex is this? Versus, what's the quantity of time? Because again, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to overshoot. Yeah, and it's hard because. Inevitably, they, you know, your brain does go to that because it's yeah. how we process how we get anything done. Or if you're driving somewhere, it's yeah. like, oh, we'll get there in four hours. Right. But <clears throat> I think what you said is really good. It's that it's that level of effort, not the quality or quantity of time is a really helpful way to remind ourselves when you go to ask for hours. Understand this is in the parameter of a scoped amount of hours, yeah. meaning this team is all working, let's say 40 hours a week, just to give us an even number. So you assume that in two week sprint, they roughly have 80 hours of time. Okay, so in 80 hours of time, relatively speaking, what can we get done? Mm. Not how much, how long will that one user story take? And then as we stack them all up, because, oh man, we, we've done that in the past because a client like required us to do so or because right. we didn't know it better. <laughs> And you get to the end of it and you're like, it will take 30 years. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. when, when, whenever you take an estimate and stack it on itself, yeah. the number is always going to be exponentially larger than if you really look at things as a part of a system right. in relation to each other. It's both as we relate to each other as a team, as the features relate to the other features as a product, um, and then how sprints relate to each other over time to get to a milestone or release. Right. Yep. Well, why don't we wrap up um, kind of giving a few very practical tips because mm. I think high level we talked about the fact that story points is our way to, you know, something we didn't talk about. Mm. I'm just not realizing it. It's not even in my, my notes here. What's that? Um, is the burn down. Oh, yeah. Let me touch on that real quick because I yeah. think that would be helpful. Absolutely. And then we can go into the tips to, yeah. to kind of make it practical. Real quickly, what is a burn down or a burn down chart? This is used sometimes. I will say not all teams use a burn down chart. Mm-hmm. When you get past that two, three, four, five sprint area, you start to get a sense of what your velocity can be. Right. And velocity is just the idea of how many points can this team accomplish in this period of time if they're all working right. regularly at the same amount. And that accounts for people's time off. It accounts for meetings, et cetera. Like you just get to the point where you go on average, it's an average pacing. If that's the case, if you go ahead and story point out the rest of your backlog, or at least the rest of the things that you know that you need to get done before mm-hmm. the next milestone or release, mm-hmm. what you should start to see is that casts a relatively accurate estimate of when will the line out ahead of us, what horizon will it be at? Right. From a time perspective. From a time yeah. perspective, a duration perspective. Right. Yeah. 
So what that ends up being is like, given what's in the backlog left, if our estimates are relatively close, then we think we've got three months left right. before the next release. Or we go, oh, actually, we did this, this, and this. That actually negates these other features we were going to, or these other stories we were going to have to do later. So we mm -hmm. can delete those. All of a sudden, you freed up time, and and that. So you'll see that usually that burn down line is yep. moving around a lot. Yep. Because it it might get delayed because you came in and you took more points to finish a sprint, right. or it might move up because you're like, oh, we just we accomplished way more in this sprint. Right. And so you have to be comfortable with that flexibility because some product owners, leaders, et cetera, are like, why is that red line way out there moving around so much? Right. Can't you just tell me when it's going to be done? Right. So I think that I wanted to talk briefly about that. And that now. also helps uh, with decision-making too. Yeah. So for example, if you say um, you're, you've been relatively accurate, say 20 points per sprint yep. and you've got a hundred points left, it's like, okay, for the most part, we can be done. We think yep. in five sprints. Yeah. Um, but the client's saying, well, that's that's one sprint too many. Then you can start having conversations of like, oh, let's look at the backlog. Yeah. What's priority? How can we trim that down? Um, the burn down chart and the velocity are just great tools. They're communication tools, really. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's yeah. like, this is what we're seeing. This is how our team's performing. We're performing quite well. Yeah. But now we have decisions to make based off when something needs to be delivered. And I've seen product managers, and we've had to do this before, that this is a, re a way to keep your team accountable, too. Absolutely. Because you can get lazy in your points, too. You can go, hmm, well, they seem okay with me only doing this many points mm -hmm. when they're perfectly capable of doing more. Yeah. So that's a, it's also a, a tool to use to say, like, I want to call you to, can you, can you press a little bit more? Can you yeah. get a little bit more done? Yeah. And that's not towards burnout. It's not towards any of that. It's just to say, I think you, I think you can handle more. Yeah. And it's not the individual; it's the team. That's the another great point for having the team chime in. It's just yeah. like, mm, yeah, I, th I think we can get more done than that. Yeah. So let me touch real quickly on some really practical ways, at least that I've experienced doing story point estimating. Yep. And there's a side note: Google that or Chat GTV that. There's a lot of different ways to story story point estimate. Yep. The one that I found most effective or useful is one called um, uh, Story Poker mm. or a Point Poker. Yep. And basically what it is, is you use, uh, you can use a physical deck of cards or um, there are lots of different apps available online yep. or on mobile apps. Make your own. Make your own. <laughs> yeah, your dev team, make your own. Um, <laughs> but what it gets at is that you'll review a story and right after reviewing that story, you need to make sure that the team reviews the, the acceptance criteria, you review the designs, if there's any associated designs, you review the lack of design and like that there needs to be more clarity around something or whatever. Everybody's chiming in on, okay, well, I know the shape of this thing. Right. Okay. And I know that that shape fits into this larger ecosystem of work to do. Yep. So you get aligned. Then what you do is a product manager or a scrum master will go, one, two, three, show. And you can either do it through an app where it reveals and everybody's already voted or they all lift up a card at the same time. What is really fun is because it's kind of blind where you're not mm -hmm. like, let me see what Dan You're not influenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, whatever the smartest dev in the room, whatever they lift up, right. maybe I'll do the, yeah, of course they're right. They're always right. Yep. But you might say, I have a one and you have a 13. And so it is the role of the facilitator Again, Scrum Master, Product Manager, or maybe one of the devs or one of the designers that's running it that day yep. to say, there's a discrepancy here. <laughs> uh, if you use that terminology, it's a little weird, but there's th we're not aligned. Right. Why are we not aligned? Well, I think it's a 13 because I'm considering that I'll need to do this, 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 and the inside of the assumption of this thing. Mm -hmm. 
And the other person is like, well, I actually did not consider that level of effort because it's written in other stories. So I don't need to do that. Mm. So there, there's a clarity of, oh, yeah, you're right. It's actually smaller effort because this is only talking about one piece of that thing. Right. Or they might go, no, it actually, there's even more to do here than what you're describing. And so we need to account for that mm-hmm. either in, in this story or someplace else. So that it's not missed because when, when you know, the unknown unknowns are, right. well, nobody talked about it, but it still has to get done. Yep. And so it gives you a reason to have that conversation. So that's, that's just kind of that going back to that relative, relative estimation. Um, and then finally, I think it's really making sure that the team is accountable to those points. Um, this is just the last tip is that it is so easy at the end of a sprint to come back and go, we, we didn't hit it. Mm. We didn't get it done. And at that point, this is where you need to have a really radical candor conversation. (laughs) Why Mm -hmm. was there something blocking you? If there was, why didn't you talk about it? Why didn't you bring it up on your standups? Why didn't you bring it up in, in, during the sprint? Or why mm-hmm. didn't we know about it before? Or why didn't you lean on your team to get clarity instead of spinning all the time? Right. Right. Cause that happens a lot. It's like, well, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't exactly know how to do that thing. So I just, I spent, I ended up spending two days trying to figure it out. So I think that's just an example of again, why the team is so important. And if you don't have the team involved, you're not holding each other accountable. Right. So I think those are just a few tips. One, do it, you know, estimate as a team, do it blind, use something like story poker or something else, um, discuss why there's discrepancies in those estimates Mm. and then hold each other accountable to those, those outcomes. Yep. Um, Dan, why don't you wrap us up? What are, what are like, let's put this, let's just put it in a bow. So let's put a bow. Yeah. Advantage of story points. So as we mentioned at the beginning, it provides common language. It provides a common frame of reference because if one person were to say, oh, this is hard, another person says it's easy. Okay, great. I have a feeling there. Someone feels it's hard, someone feels it's easy, but mm-hmm. we have no way to move forward from mm-hmm. that. So story points provide the label again, t-shirt size, points, whatever you want to use. It just gives a common frame of reference, a common language so that we understand what is the actual level of effort. Um, for this work allows the team to quickly communicate, easily communicate their estimates to one another. And again, understand the relative size um, and complexity of different work items. Another advantage of story points, um, they're flexible and can be used to estimate the work at any really level of granularity. Yeah. Um, we can estimate an epic. Yep. Yeah. For, really, we could estimate, estimate a story. And with that common language, we all know exactly again, regardless of the granularity, how, what's the level of effort, how difficult and how productive might we be? Yeah. um, Regardless of the, of the granularity, small tasks, large projects, whatnot. Again, wrapping up story points are a really useful tool, um, particularly within the agile framework. Um, they're effective, uh, much more accurate and just, I say just a quality tool over using hours, using time, because again, it's not like how long is it going to take us? What's the level of effort um, as we continue to track progress and predict project timelines? Yep. So we have our work estimate. Yep. I'll see you in six months, George. Nope. Um, This sprint's only two weeks. Uh, We need to talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about sprints next time. Getting down to the very Uh, basic level of... Uh, What does the day-to-day look like on a sprint? Fantastic. 
People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.